one of the world's most famous cryptids. This creature is famously known for terrorizing West Virginia. However, it has been witnessed in Japan, Russia, Mexico, and a variety of other locales, either as a harbinger of doom or an agent of protection. That's right. This week we are talking about some Mothman. Welcome, welcome, welcome in, guys. This is Brad, your buddy with Killin' Missin' Hidden Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I have unfortunately been down with a cold, so I didn't have time to do a whole lot of research. So that means it's cryptid spooky fun time. And as I said, this week we're going to talk about Mothman, one of the more famous cryptids out there in the world. Uh, two things up front. Number one, again, I'll apologize if you hear my kids because I had limited time in which to record this and they are being their delightfully little boisterous selves. It's like living with some WWF wrestlers. Uh, second thing, we are going to start off with a reviewer spotlight this week. I know we normally do business at the back, but this sort of thing I always like to do up front. And we haven't done one in a spell. So I wanted to dig out this lovely one from Delris. I believe you would pronounce the name. D-E-L-R-I-S. And his or her review says, reads, says, reads, whichever, as follows. The storytelling is suspenseful and chilling. I'm addicted. And that's it. Plus they, you know, threw five stars at me, so that's why they're getting red here. Short and sweet, but it still makes us blush. Appreciate the review, as always. If we were the sort of podcast that had merchandise, I'd send a trinket or two your way. But just know that you've got a special place in our hearts, Delris. Okay, so Mothman, the cryptid mascot of Point Pleasant, West Virginia. He's one of the greats of the cryptid world, arguably standing only in the shadow of Bigfoot. As we know, all great heroes and villains have an origin story. Mothman really doesn't, though. But we do have a history of when he first came on the scene. That'd be November 12th, 1966. There were somewhere between three to five men, depending on the reports you read, working as grave diggers when they spotted a man-sized thing jumping from tree to tree around them. Three days later, two young couples drove out to see a former World War II munitions plant, truly the type of date that will make all ladies swoon, when they saw a monstrous creature. It was huge, gray, and had glowing red eyes and wings. We're talking huge wings. Uh, 10-foot wingspan is what they reported. The two couple's night moves were cut short by this creature's appearance, and they floored it back to town. The monster, though, he gave chase. They reached speeds of 70 miles per hour, 80 miles per hour, 90, even hitting 100 miles per hour as they raced down these back roads and away from the entity, trying to get back to civilization, trying to seek some help. And the whole way, it kept perfect pace. 
flying directly overhead. Never attacked, never swooped down, never tried to pass them, just like a balloon tethered to their car stayed with them. Once the kids got back into town, the flying monster turned off back into the woods. They reported their experience to the local sheriff, who dismissed it as a large heron, a type of bird for those of you not in the know. More reports of the creature came in over the next several days. Two volunteer firefighters gave a similar description as the young couple's, again noting its eerie, glowing red eyes. A local contractor claimed to have had an experience that resulted in his dog going missing. Why does this make me think of South Park rednecks who complain about losing their jobs? You know, it took my dog! Anyway, in response to all these reports and hysteria, um, Dr. Robert Smith of West Virginia University, a biologist, was brought in and he listened to the stories and told the press the reports were likely of a sandhill crane. That's a bird that stands almost as tall as a man, has a wingspan up to seven feet, and has red flesh around its eyes. Since these cranes are very uncommon in West Virginia, he, Dr. Smith said no one could really blame the locals for losing their minds. There are also reports that this was nothing more than the work of a committed prankster who either dressed up in a Halloween-type costume to scare folks and or released helium balloons with flashlights taped to them in an effort to capitalize on the hysteria. Of course, neither of these explanations would account for all the details reported. A sandhill crane has a top flying speed of about 35 miles per hour, and the prankster theory is tough because I doubt the prankster had a jetpack since we don't have jetpacks. Scientists. And he would really have to put in some serious engineering work to make a balloon have the ability to flap wings as it flew through the air. Uh, so, and additionally, you know, make it hop from tree to tree or, or chase a car. That's some high-level stuff. Tony Stark-level stuff there. I don't think we have a Scooby-Doo type solution to this legend. Plus, you know, there was over a hundred reporting sightings of Mothman throughout West Virginia. Now the media report certainly caused panic, and people no doubt reported seeing Mothman when he wasn't there. For example, an albino owl has been the subject of Mothman reports in the past. It's a white creature with blood red eyes, and in the dark, your flashlight hits that. That's probably going to give you a fright. But these reports continued to trickle in for just over a year until a devastating accident occurred. On December 15, 1967, a terrible disaster struck the town of Point Pleasant. The Silver Bridge, which connected Point Pleasant to Ohio, collapsed while full of cars. Now, this bridge had been constructed in the 1920s. It was built with the idea that Model T Fords would be the, the vehicles crossing over it. Those things weighed less than a ton. In the 60s, you had cars that weighed over two tons. Plus, you had 18-wheelers on this bridge. You know, we're right before Christmas, so people are out shopping. 
I think I remember from one report noting that this was a, a Friday, so it was a payday for a lot of people. And it was just the bridge was packed. And while traffic set at a standstill, an I-bar joint failed, which is one of the main joints that held one of the main cables that held the bridge up. It snapped, causing the bridge to kind of swing to one side, dumping half the cars. The force of that caused another uh, uh, suspension line to another suspension line to snap caused it to swing back and dump the other half of the cars and the whole bridge fell down on top of them i mean it was a true true disaster and those that didn't die from the impact were stuck in freezing waters of the ohio river um so it was a true true tragedy 46 people ended up dying that day so why are we talking about this tragedy well Many, many people blame this on Mothman. Well, they blame the collapse on Mothman, not the loss of life. There's, there's, it's interesting that the Mothman sighting stopped after this collapse. There's also people who claim they saw a Mothman type creature perched on top of the bridge the day it collapsed. You know, I, I, it's hard to say. There's, that's, that's what people tell you. You also have people saying that they saw something, but it, to them, it looked more like the uh, sparking of the electrical wires as the bridge snapped and collapsed. So there's, there's not much agreement there. But, but, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to pretend like Mothman's involved in it because. It became connected, these two, uh, the collapse of the bridge and the Mothman legend became connected thanks to the Mothman Prophecies book. Okay, so the Mothman Prophecies. It's a book written by John Keel that's pretty famous. Uh, you've probably heard of it if you know anything about the Mothman. And Mr. Keel was a New York reporter, I believe, who investigated the stories of Mothman once he heard of them, starting in 1966. And his book, it's an interesting read if you haven't read it, um, and this is your thing. I would, I would encourage you to check it out. But he links the Mothman story, at least, to UFO reports, Men in Black appearances, and the introduction of Ingrid Cole, who I hope we can spend an entire episode on because the story of that dude is really, really interesting. The book was, like I said, the first to kind of connect the Silver Bridge collapse with Mothman in many people's minds. Now, John Keel didn't collect just stories from West Virginia. His research found that Mothman had appeared throughout the world and kind of throughout time. Uh, another couple of notes on this book before we get into that. Um, you know, he, like I said, he was very thorough. He did lots of interviews. He dug up lots of articles. And what we're going to do is just pull some of the highlights from his book so we don't have to do all that work. 
And you may have also heard of this book because it was made into a movie. I didn't write it down. I think it was 2002 or 2003. It starred Richard Gere. It wasn't bad. Um, You know, kind of spooky if you enjoy that sort of thing. So you may want to check that out. But here's some of the stories that uh, Mr. Keel pulled up regarding Mothman or Mothman-type events that occurred during the past. So we're going to start with my favorite. Um, A private in Vietnam was with his squadron when they were visited by a flying creature, and it was described as being completely black. It had a huge wingspan. I didn't see an estimate for it. Um, And glowing red eyes. What makes this encounter unusual is the creature kind of hung around the squad for a spell. It was it was there for a good three to four minutes. Um, it didn't attempt to attack them. It didn't attempt to interact with them, really. It just studied them. Another oddity is that this private said the creature was clearly female. Um, and, you know, again... With its wings out and all that, it was enough to block out all the moonlight from their position. It said nothing, it asked for nothing, and like I said, it did nothing more than stare at these soldiers before suddenly taking off. They also noted that no noise was made by the wings until the creature decided to flutter off. So while it's hovering around, it's dead silent, but once it performs its escape, they hear a kind of a whooshing noise. They kind of described it as the exact noise you would expect a set of large wings to make. Going back to the 1800s, there are, or there were reports of a flying man over Coney Island who would perform acrobatics as he flew across the shore. Witnesses claim the creature had this look of rigid determination. It wasn't a man wearing wings. It was a man with bat wings, according to reports. Now, no such technology existed to allow for flapped winged flight by mankind at that time. And it was also clear that the man was not there to entertain the beachgoers. It appeared like he was traveling from one location to another. There are a handful of reports that this man was working a series of machines to keep alight. But these were clearly in the minority. And again, I think today we don't even have the technology where we could fly like a bird with the winged power. I don't know that we've really tried to since we've got, you know, planes and jet engines and all that. But all right, next story, 1905. In California, a giant white birdman was spotted. Uh, Multiple reports claimed it to be a human with white angelic-like wings. Um, No details on anything other than it was spotted in the area. In 1946, kind of the same deal, but this time in New York City, they claimed that they saw a flying man with wings shaped like a butterfly. And it had a red glow about it. Many described it as a gigantic bat. In 1948, in Illinois, there was dozens of reporting 
sightings of a giant bird man. We can call it an epidemic, if you would like, considering the times we're living in. All the stories are basically the same. Giant birds with man-like bodies and bat-like wings, always described as huge, all the way up to, say, something like a military bomber. So when I say huge, I don't mean like the size of a car. I mean like the size of something that's a death machine. Now, one interesting note is consistently throughout these stories, at least in more modern times, is that the appearance of Mothman or these bird-like creatures causes interference with electronic equipment such as TVs and radios. Keel claims the stories he collected indicated Mothman likes to chase vehicles and is unusually attracted to menstruating women. I have no comment on that last point. Keel's research also noted that Native American tribes in the area um, considered West Virginia to be a bit of a cursed area. Uh, they say that no Indian tribe, Native American tribe, wanted to live there. And there was a battle that occurred near Point Pleasant, West Virginia, between European settlers and several local tribes. And they reached a peace agreement. And after the agreement, the chieftain, the war chieftain, went with several of his sons on a diplomatic mission to kind of the forward outpost of the Europeans. And instead of having a conversation, they took the chieftain and his men prisoner and tortured and killed him. And it was this event where the chieftain laid a curse upon the land. And many think that's the reason why this stretch of West Virginia has such odd occurrences mothman's not the only one we could probably do an episode just on west virginia if we wanted to i think it's more interesting to do it monster by monster rather than state by state especially since my state alabama doesn't have that many greatest story okay now like we said mothman seems to be connected with west virginia in most people's minds as we've seen, he's been all over the U.S. He's been in Vietnam already. But we've had sightings since the Silver Bridge collapse. So let's go through some of those. There's the legend of the Blackbird of Chernobyl that many operators of the control room saw a giant black bird in the days leading up to the infamous 1986 nuclear disaster. What's interesting with these reports is that many of these control room operators who saw this creature experienced nightmares afterwards, very, very uh, realistic feeling nightmares that um, troubled them greatly. They were getting very little sleep. They also, some of them reported receiving threatening calls from strangers. I never were able to chase down the details of what those threats were. 
but it was enough that people were scared to go to work after seeing this bird. And how they describe the bird? Well, tall, huge wingspan, black, obviously, and with glowing red eyes. After the Chernobyl disaster, the creature was never seen again. The bird creature has also appeared in Germany. In, let's see, September 10th, 1978, workers of a local mine were heading up to the shaft to begin their shift for the morning. When they reached the entrance, however, it was blocked by a huge bird with glowing red eyes that screeched with the voices of 50 men, according to witnesses. No one was brave enough to confront the creature and enter the mine. And less than an hour after the creature appeared, there was a huge explosion that rocked the mine. Had these men worked as normal, virtually all of them would have been killed by this explosion. But because this, I think they call it the Shrieker of Freiburg, Germany, um, because he appeared, or it appeared, no one was in the mine. And... No one was injured thanks to this monstrous bird's presence. March 11th, 2011, over in Japan. Who remembers what happened then? They suffered a massive, massive earthquake. And the earthquake damaged the Fukushima nuclear plant, which caused radiation to begin leaking and is now considered the worst disaster since Chernobyl in nuclear history. There are scattered reports of a large bird man being seen near the nuclear plant in the days prior to the earthquake. An American by the name of Marcus Pules is often the one most connected with this story, as he claimed to have seen the creature while on a trip to Japan. When he returned home to the United States, he was shocked when he woke up to news of the earthquake and the looming nuclear disaster. He had seen the bird perched on that nuclear plant while he was in Japan, and here it is days later in shambles. Now... I think we have to call this one a bit of an urban legend, perhaps, because there's no true hard news reports of this alleged sighting. But it is a very popular tale that you hear about. One odd sighting is occurred in Mexico. Many people claimed to have seen the Mothman throughout the country in early 2009 shortly before the country suffered a very devastating bout of the swine flu. Again, little formal reporting on these sightings, but our internet rumors suggest that this was a two-meter-tall birdman with huge wings and red bloodshot eyes stalking neighborhoods that soon became the hotbeds of the swine flu outbreak there. And one more story. On September 11th, 2001, 
As many of us know, the United States suffered a horrific terrorist attack that resulted in, among other things, the collapse of the Twin Towers or the World Trade Center. Though not reported by the mainstream media, there are many reports of Mothman being around the towers as the planes hit it. In fact, a man by the name of Stephen Moran took two photographs of the awful events as they were unfolding that captured what appears to be a huge gray bird flying around the scene. And it looks very dinosaur-like. You can find these photos easy enough on the internet, uh, and you can inspect them for yourself. Now, it does not appear that these pictures have been independently verified in any way, so it's possible this one is a very tacky hoax. But if not, it certainly adds to the mystery and lore of Mothman, and I'm going to give Mr. Moron the benefit of the doubt and say he's not the sort to be that tacky. I would think that he, him getting called out on trying to make photographs like this would make more news than the existence of the photos themselves. So where do we stand on the Mothman legend? Now, obviously, when it comes to matters like this, each person has to make up their own mind. And part of me is tempted to put up a poll in our Facebook group just to gather everybody's opinion. So I may do that. But here's my opinion. I kind of buy into it. Not necessarily 100%, but I think we got enough smoke here that there could be a fire. I do buy into some of the West Virginia sightings. I think the connection to the Silver Bridge disaster is a little bit of a stretch. However, it fits with all the oddities that were going on during this time period. Um, again, if you read John Keel's book, you had men in black everywhere. Um, we need to do an episode on men in black because it's not the Tommy Lee Jones, Will Smith um you know, stories, it's, they're a little creepy. You had UFO sightings all over the area during this time. It's, it's just an odd tale. Um, you know, and if you're willing to accept these reports, which most people in the Point Pleasant area say are a fact, there's no question in their mind whether or not those events happened. And they really don't question whether or not Mothman's real. I think, like me, it's the connection to the Silver Bridge collapse that may be a little strained. Um, but if you're willing to accept all that, why not accept a giant flying man? And sightings in other locations? I don't find these to be, you know, like capitalizing on the Mothman legend and trying to create some sort of cryptozoological tourism. Like you see with Bigfoot, you know, lots of people want, if you visit the Pacific Northwest or Canada, there's a lot of uh, little excursions you can go on to supposedly be in places where Bigfoot's seen. And I've even read stories that in Russia, 
um, they have the Yeti instead of the Bigfoot, obviously, that the, I, I don't know, whatever the Russian tourism department is called, will actually pay people in villages to claim to have seen the Yeti and take people out to locations where Yeti has been seen just to try to create this tourism market. I don't think we have that here with Mothman, even though that's kind of a fun idea to, you know, capitalize off of these legends like that. Like we've been through these legends go back into the 1800s. The newest legends or the newest reportings of this legend are around events that you wouldn't want to travel to, to see the Mothman. You obviously Chernobyl has its own interest uh, from scientists and environmentalists and folks like that. You know, New York City, the 9-11 attacks absolutely has its own tourism built into it, as sad as that is to say. Um, what good does it do to add Mothman into these stories? I, I, don't, I don't see a purpose for it. Unless you're going to be the one telling it, and you're going to be the one trying to seek attention for it. And in each of these stories, we don't get a lot of names. We don't seem to get a lot of people who are seeking fame from it. It's very odd. And again, like John Keel notes, these legends go back into Native American times. And for example, there's like the Thunderbird legends that are pretty well known. And those are connected to the Mothman lore. So, while it's certainly not the same as the Mothman reports we get today, the idea of this flying, winged, man-like creature existed for hundreds of years prior to the 60s. Now, we also have to ask if Mothman is an agent of evil or a creature trying to warn us of impending disasters. And I'm split on this one. Let's accept all these stories as true for the, discussing this point, okay? We have good Mothman when it comes to the Germanic mining disaster. He warned the miners, kept them from going in, so he gets a star for that. With the 9-11 attacks in New York, we have Mothman apparently just observing. There's no reports of it trying to warn in any capacity. And then with the remaining reports, it's just that Mothman's hanging around. I mean, I don't know how his sudden appearance in Mexico should have clued folks in that they should be preparing for a swine flu outbreak. I can kind of see the Mothman reports in Chernobyl and Japan having some warning value, particularly the Chernobyl ones, since those folks had really bad dreams and were receiving threatening phone calls. There's just, there's, there was something connected to that one, but otherwise he seems neutral. Uh, neutral, maybe slash leaning on the bad side of things. Um, you know, if, if the decision came down to me on what to classify him as, I would describe him as just a watcher type figure who is 
comes around to witness certain key events. You know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe had Stan Lee serving in that role, according to a lot of internet rumors. And so maybe Mothman is the watcher of our cinematic universe that we call reality. And I have to mention, I mean, you can't do an episode on Mothman without discussing this. If you're ever in West Virginia, try to make it over to Point Pleasant because they have a 12-foot-tall Mothman statue and the world's only Mothman Museum, so you can see lots of really cool stuff on the sky. And if you happen to be there in September, not this year because of COVID, sadly, but next year, they have a huge Mothman festival. It's... I. Uh, I may be making this up, but I think I remember reading that it's now the biggest festival in the state. Um, Much to my wife's dismay, that is on my bucket list. I would love to go to that. And we will leave Mothman right there. As always, if you've had any experiences with this cryptid, if you've been to the celebration in Point Pleasant in September, even if you've just taken a selfie with the Mothman statue. Um, Let us know. Send us an email. Send us something through Instagram or Twitter, even Facebook. Speaking of Facebook, we've had several new members join our elitist society, and they deserve their recognition and shout-outs. So thank you all. Let's see. Thank you to Trent, Lisa, Kimberly, Emily Ann, Amanda, and Tara. Those of you who haven't joined the group, please take a moment to hang your head in shame. You've really earned it. As always, please keep sharing this podcast with your friends. I know you are because our numbers just keep growing and swelling and are bursting at the seams. And I love you so much for that. But don't let up. Keep circulating the tapes. Talk nonstop to coworkers about this podcast to the point that they avoid your desk. And make sure you subscribe. Yes, we release new episodes every Tuesday, but we have little surprise bonus episodes. We pop out on Friday sometimes, like this last Friday. So if you aren't subscribed, you're going to miss out on those. Don't be foolish. For what it's worth, we are two-thirds of the way to 100 Apple Podcast Reviews. It'd be nifty to reach triple digits. So if you can go leave us a glowing review and throw five stars at us, we'd love it. You don't have to be truthful. I'm a lawyer. Truth ranks very low on my list of priorities. We just want the results. Okay. we got to wrap this one up. Eli's gotten us a good palate cleanser this week, and here it is. What did the aliens say when they landed at the North Pole? Take me to your heater. He, he liked that one. We, Lord, we went through so many alien jokes because he, he wanted to tie it in with Mothman, and there's a lot of bad alien jokes out there. All right, another episode in the books. I would like the record to reflect that I managed to put this bad boy together while home, sick from work, in bed the entire week. But I have to make sure I take care of you, my babies. Thank you all for tuning in. I know you have too, too many podcast choices out there. 
And we really do appreciate you spending some time with us. We hope to see you again next week where we have, I think, if I can put it together, a user-requested murder that we're going to explore. Enjoy the rest of August. Do something nice this week. And we're going to depart with lyrics from this song. See if you recognize it before I tell you what it is. Now, let's see. Don't you know I'm going to make it with my friends? I promise myself I'm going to get by. Okay, those are the two lyrics I pulled. Not the best for a goodbye, but again, this was a Herculean effort just to put this together. That is from Joe Cocker's cover of With a Little Help of My Friends, more famously put together by the Beatles. Shout out to Krista for that one because she was talking about that song in the latest episode of Strange Sessions. Okay, um, I think I've name dropped enough. I've done shout outs, done listener. Yeah, I think we've covered everything. All right, we'll wrap it. Brad is out. Thank you for listening to Kellen Missing Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.